You are Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, we're going to have a lot of fun today on the Locked On Syracuse podcast. Happy Tuesday to all out there, Tyler Aki and Tim Leonard. Today, as you heard yesterday on the show, John Wallace. We're going to talk about all the big things that he did at Syracuse. Today, we're going to get into a lot of the stuff with the 96 championship run and getting to the championship in the final four. And then on top of that, we're going to talk about and reminisce on some old Big East stuff, the battles with Georgetown, all that fun stuff, and a whole lot more today. And we're also going to do it again tomorrow. So stay tuned for all of that. And later on in the week, of course, we're going to have our Syracuse basketball preview, our full comprehensive season preview. That'll be dropping for you on Thursday as well as Friday. We'll get you ready for SU and Bryant. That game looks full steams ahead right now. Syracuse and Jim Beheim has left his isolation. He's good to go there. They still pause with basketball activities and all that stuff, but good sign to see that everything looks like it's a go for this Friday's matchup against Bryant. So we're looking forward to that. And don't forget, you can also check out the show on Twitter at LO underscore Syracuse. And for those of you that are new to the show today, first of all, welcome. Glad to have you here with us. And if you aren't already subscribed to the show, make sure you do that. You're going to get all these episodes in your feed first thing in the morning so you can use it on your commute to work while you're making breakfast, all that good stuff, getting the kids ready for school. Or if you are a kid, maybe you got some time away from your, your Zoom classes right now. You've got the Locked on Syracuse podcast to keep you company. So be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts if you are new to the show or if you are not subscribed yet. All right, let's get to it. John Wallace, let's go. All right, pleased to be joined now by one of the legends of Syracuse basketball, John Wallace. John is, of course, a former forward for Syracuse, a dominant big man from back in the 90s. And now you can catch him streaming Power Forward every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern on Sportscaster. Go to sportscaster.com. That's Sportscaster with no E slash John Wallace. You can catch each episode on Spotify and Apple Podcasts every Wednesday morning. John Pleasure to be joined by you. Just first, before we get into everything, how are you, your family, and everyone in your life doing during these times? Everyone's good, Tyler. Uh, you know, as good as you can be during these times. Um, obviously, the the worst times of our life in, in terms of uh, what's going on in the world. And hopefully, you know, everyone's staying safe and healthy. And, uh, you know, everyone's going to get through this, you know, with some patience, with some patience and, uh, and some resiliency. And, uh, and and that and that indomitable will that you know we that we all have. Well, we'll get into your Syracuse <clears throat> career, of course, but it's not every day Tyler and I can relate to a Syracuse legend. And you're a fellow podcaster now, as Ty said. How's how's <laughs> the podcast been going so far? Oh man, with uh, on Sportscaster has been great. Um, you know, I've done some stuff with them in the past. So uh, Nick and Andrew and those guys are are awesome over at Sportscaster, um, and. I'm looking forward to doing more stuff with them in the future. Just started the podcast, Power Forward. It's going well. Um, getting some great feedback, uh, and I'm I got the easy parts. I just come, I just show up and talk. Um, and, uh, Nick and um, one of my guys, Oliver, who's a senior at Syracuse, he's doing all the behind the scenes work and all that. So, shout out to them for all the legwork that they've done. So, of all the guests that not only you've already had on, and I've seen a couple of them already, but 
what about some of the future guests you've got lined up? What What's that lineup looking like for you? We got Rob Conrad coming on with uh, Mike Waters. Got Julie Beheim coming on. We, we got a couple other uh, Syracuse, um, you know, Dr. Michael Meyer at some point, um, Hal Fetner, just going into different um, fields and um, spectrums and um, in terms of construction. Mike Meyer's a, a dentist. I'm gonna have all walks of life come on and try to talk to you, share share things into what they do, their field, how they do it. Just in case you wanna, if, if you're interested in going that way, they can lead you. And as you guys know, being Syracuse people, we, Syracuse people, we love to help other Syracuse um, fellow alums. So um, that's what we're going to be trying to do, open up our Syracuse network and try to just help each other. Well, I listened to the Lawrence Modem one and it was awesome. So everyone go check that out. But let's get into your, your Syracuse career a little bit. You're growing up in Rochester, high school kid, and you start getting recruited by Jim Beheim. What, what was the first moment that you met Jim Beheim like? Well, it was incredible, man. It was at summer camp. I remember my first letter I got from him my sophomore year. Then I went to the summer uh, basketball camp, the Syracuse camp that summer. And it was I, I, from that moment, I knew I wanted to go there. I've, I've always loved Syracuse. I will always love Syracuse. And I'm happy to, with my decision 100%. I have no regrets when I look back on it. I would do it a thousand times over. I wouldn't change one thing, not one iota. Besides possibly, you know, uh, I would change winning the national championship. That's the only thing I would change. <laughs> but uh, other than that, I wouldn't change one thing, man. I, I loved every second at Syracuse. I'm so happy with my decision. And it's still paying, you know, it's paying it forward now. And, you know, in terms of I'm, I'm doing work up at Syracuse, have a licensing deal, selling my jersey up there. Um, shout out to... Uh, to uh, Kelly up, up in Syracuse, who's uh, keeping everyone safe with the sanitizing product. My boy, Mike Culligan up there, taking care of all the construction and everything else up there. You know, Syracuse is just such a tight-knit community, um, you know, that that we, we all pull for each other. We all look out for each other. So um, I just want to make sure I, 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 I shout out the people who behind the scenes been helping me. Also, Rachel Duffy, shout out to Rachel Duffy, who's um, part of the Syracuse licensing uh, department, who, who kind of uh, I, I did the deal with for my licensing deal. But man, I'm 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 as I'm as blessed as you can be during these times. I have no complaints. Um, just just hoping that we're we're all able to stay safe and healthy during these uh, incredibly hard times. So as a Rochester kid, was Syracuse, and maybe for you and some of your teammates, is that a dream school for you guys? Of course, man. I grew up watching Syracuse. Loved the Syracuse-Georgetown battles. Watched them. Um, I never missed one Syracuse-Georgetown game. I, I vividly remember my favorite Syracuse-Georgetown game to watch was Billy Owens hitting the free throws with no time on the clock. and went in an overtime and that was just incredible. Uh, so I, I love, I've always loved Syracuse. I've always hated Georgetown. So I'm a true Cuse guy. <laughs> Do you miss the Georgetown rivalry at all? Now that, I mean, I know yeah. they still play. It's but not the same. Yeah. It's just not the same. Um, you know, so 
yeah, I miss the the real rivalry that we did have. It was it was true. The coaches had a had a a, a, a real disdain, but woven in that disdain was respect. Just like you know the players, we had we had true disdain for those players, but you know you had to respect them too because if you don't respect your opponent, then they'll then they'll beat you. So. Um, you know, we, we love those games, miss, miss the real rivalries, you know, as, as do, you know, all the, you know, other rivalries that used to be like really intense and almost a fight breaking out every possession. All right. This might make your blood boil a little bit. So I'm with you. I don't think the rivalry is nearly what it it used to be. In fact, I'm on the precipice of calling it a dead rivalry, but I don't know if you saw this because it has kind of gotten swept under the rug a little bit, but I believe when Tyus Battle was a freshman at Syracuse, he posted a picture of Jagan Mosley, who was a point guard at, at Georgetown at the time, and just said, everyone go follow my bro, like Jagan Mosley, one of the top point guards in the country and plays for Georgetown. Is that something that would ever happen when you guys were playing <laughs> at, in the Syracuse-Georgetown oh, no. rivalry? I mean, the way we the way we showed love was the first couple of times Allen Iverson came to the hole, we just elbowed him a couple of times and knocked him on the floor politely. <laughs> that's the real. That's the way you show Georgetown some love as a Syracuse guy. You're not telling people to follow him and trying to up his social media presence count, whatever. <laughs> I don't know. No, that you know, but you know that that they're they're in a different era. The, the players today, they're wired different. And you got to respect, you know, the, the way they are. But during my time, that would never happen. We, we just weren't like that. We didn't we didn't really like you enough to uh, want you to up your social media account. You know, that didn't exist when we, we when we were around. But no, that would never happen, man. And I had no idea about that because I'm not on social media, really. So um, I had no idea that that even happened. He deleted it shortly after and said he got hacked. So, <laughs> ah, yes, this is the week. It's the return of basketball season. And that means one thing planting yourself on the couch, watching hoops while enjoying the mountain cold refreshment of Coors Light. It's the awesome point of the year that we're at right now. You've got football and basketball on pretty much every single night. And there's no better sidekick than Coors Light. It's the official beer of watching any sport or team just to drink beer. And with the return of hoops right this week, that's right, right this week, there's never been a better time to stock up on Coors Light. Do what I do. Order some Coors Light straight to your house. That's right. It's not just your local restaurants that deliver to you these days. Coors Light can appear at your door in just a couple of clicks and boom, you're ready to chill. Go to get.coorslight.com and you can have a six-pack, 12-pack, or even 24 mountain cold Coors Lights at your doorstep in under an hour. Go to get.coorslight.com. Again, that's get.coorslight.com. Celebrate responsibly. Golden, Colorado. Some of the the former players, when they talk about the Georgetown-Syracuse rivalry, it seems like they even admit that Coach Beheim was just in a different mindset in those games. And you talked about how there was that disdain but respect, which is such an awesome balance to have in in basketball games and in a rivalry. But did you notice when you were playing for Beheim that, like, on Georgetown days, he was just wired a little differently or was talking to you guys a little bit differently? Well, you want to win every game, right? Coach came yeah. in honestly trying to win every game, but the Georgetown, when I played, the, the rivalry was so real and so intense. And, you know, 
we didn't like John, you know, rest in peace, John Thompson and, and or his team at the time. And, you know, Coach Beheim didn't, didn't like him. They didn't like us. And it's, it was like, a, you know, that, that war type mindset. You're getting ready to go to war. And, and you definitely wanted to be Georgetown, 100%. So, yeah, it was, it was the, the stakes were a little higher, you know, in terms of what we wanted to accomplish. So there was a little bit more attention to detail, probably. A little bit more uh, laser focus, because you want to make sure you came out with that victory, at, you know, whenever you played Georgetown. Who's the one dude on Georgetown during your four years who was like, I at no cost want to lose a battle in the paint to that guy. Yeah, I, I dominated Georgetown for four years. <laughs> I, I mean, uh, Othello Harrington and those guys. I mean, Jerome Williams honestly was good. You know, he, he but he only played two years, so he's only there my junior year, my soft uh, senior year. So my freshman sophomore year, it was just Othello Harrington, and th their other big guys just weren't like non-existent. Um, you know, so they they weren't as formidable up up front. They they were good, you know, in the backcourt, and then they got AI, so that changed their whole trajectory. But f as far as their front court, and th that was, you know, that was that I, I gave it to them every single time. <laughs> <laughs> what was it like playing against AI? Honestly, man, he was so fast and so quick. I mean, you, you really can't uh, describe it. It's, 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 it's unfathomable how fast and how quick he moves around the court. When you thought you could trap him and he's already by you, he, he's electrifying, seriously. And one of the most athletic players ever playing in college and in NBA. I mean, he was only like 5'11", guy was dunking on big guys. Duncan off the vertical. I mean, he's an incredible, incredibly insane athlete. And I'm just happy that he was able to overcome everything and still make it to the NBA. That's how good he, you know, most guys in his situation, if, if that happens to you during your life, you don't really recover and you definitely don't recover and go to college and go to the NBA after that. So it's a, it's a true testament to his will and his desire and his intestinal fortitude as a man. And, you know, but when it, when it came to the, to the basketball court, we, we, we wanted to test every, every, every accolade I just gave him every, you know, we tested that every single possession, you know, and, you know, true to himself, he always got up. We knock him down, but he always got up. You know, he's a tough, tough kid, tough kid. Is he the best guy that you went against during your time? Like maybe there were other guys who put up better stats or whatnot, but in terms of pure basketball talent, was he the best that you went up against at Syracuse? Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, that's tough though, because uh, Ray Allen and Kerry Kittles are both very good in college, especially Kerry Kittles because he, Kerry Kittles, we're, we were all the same year, Kerry Kittles, myself, AI came in, you know, later, and then Ray Allen is a year after us. So in terms of just who hit their ceiling first or who, it was Kerry Kittles. He's big, he's played a year like as a sophomore. Uh, you know, he put up great numbers, you know, so definitely Kerry Kittles. 
um, was was really good. And then he had the knee injury and all that. But it's hard to argue against Allen Iverson when you look at what he's able to do and bring to the table in college and change um, George the Georgetown program around single handedly almost. So, I, you know, Kerry Kittles was really good, but I have to give the nod to uh, Allen Iverson. We'll get into that 1996 season, obviously. But before that, there was some talks about you maybe going to the NBA. How close were you to not returning to Syracuse for that that long run and Final Four run? Oh man, I was really, I was really, you know, 90% committed to going, entering the draft. And then as I started climbing up the draft boards, I had a, you know, I had this revelation that. Basically, if I can move up the draft boards that quick from all these individual workouts, if I gave myself another year uh, and, and hone my skills, work on my game, I could be possibly top five. So that, that led to me, you know, wanting, you know, coming back to, to college. And I'm so happy I did. That That's what um, cemented my legacy up at Syracuse. Because if I would have left after my um, junior year, I'd have just been another good Syracuse player. But coming back my senior year, you know, it put me in, uh, amongst the pantheon of the, uh, the, 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 the pantheon of the greats of uh, Syracuse. So, um, you know, I, 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 I wanted to enter the draft, but I'm, I'm so happy I, I, I ended up changing my mind and uh, coming back to school. Would you recommend that for other players? I'm sure you interact with a number of other players, but, and then of course there's Syracuse players that you talk to, but it's just such a different age now where we see these one and done type of guys. And we don't always see the guy who gets to his junior year and has that decision and then goes to his senior year. But what would you recommend to the guys in this day and age? Because it seems like there's so much value in youth, but at the same time there, we do see guys who, blossom into something special between their freshman and sophomore year or the sophomore and junior year? Well, each individual is different, right? So Carmelo obviously was ready to go after his freshman year. There's it's questionable whether, um, you know, Dante Green and other guys who went, I think the Tyler Ennis one is interesting because I don't think he could have went any higher. Uh, the kind of season he had, he played so well. I think he, I think he chose the right time to go, you know, even though he didn't have a long NBA career, he's still playing pro ball. Dante Green won, you know, maybe if he just said he could have developed a little bit more, but you know, who knows? It's all about your, your, your temperament and what's, what's, what's inside you and what are you really, really built for the NBA? And it's all about your work ethic. And there's 90% mental. You got to be willing and ready to get up every single day and get after it three times a day, giving all you got every single workout. And that's just to stay in the NBA once you're there. You know, the old adage is, 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 it's easy to make the NBA if, you know, obviously once you get there, like, but it's, it's hard to stay in the NBA. And the hardest thing to do is get back in once you're out of the NBA. I did all three of those things, so I know. And it takes a, trem a tremendous amount of uh, dedication and, and family support to help you out and all that good stuff. But you got to be willing to work 
every single day, put on your hard hat, and just go to work every single day. All right, so that Georgetown game, you know we got to ask you about that, or the, the Georgia game, excuse me, in the Sweet yeah. 16. What, uh, what sticks out when you look back on that game now in 1996 and, and think about the memories from that game? Man, uh, what, what sticks out most in that game, honestly, is me subbing myself back in the game, you know, uh, because we were, they went on a run when I caught my, when I, when I got my fourth foul. And just to sit on the bench and watch our season kind of dwindle away was, was heart-wrenching. I just couldn't stand it anymore. So I, I checked myself back in. I just, I, I, I promised myself I wasn't going to even come close to a foul. Because at that point, you got to realize you're worth more than two points or anything else. So anything even questionable, you got to just back up and let them have it. And everything worked out. I mean, I, I've, that's, that's, that game is probably the game I get asked about more than any other game because obviously the way it ended and the comeback and all that, the dramatic finish. But that, that game, you know, that, that put us in the Sweet 16, I think, or, or the Elite Eight. It pushed you know, to the Elite Eight, eight. yeah. It put us in the Elite Eight. Because honestly, we thought we were going to be playing Purdue. Purdue lost to Georgia. Right. Georgia upset Purdue. So we were kind of prepared for Purdue. And then the Georgia game happened, and, you know, they had Shannon Anderson, Carlos Strong, a couple other Terrell Bell. They had some good players. And I just, I just remember because in high school, we played against those guys. And we, we owned them in high school. <laughs> so we owned them in college. And the, the couple of times we ran across them in the NBA, we owned them in the NBA. So, you know, <laughs> own Georgia, man, you know, and uh, I'm, I'm happy that the, every time I see those guys or I run into people in Georgia, they're all, they, they still get upset and I just stick the knife even deeper. <laughs> <laughs> Twist it around a little bit. All right, guys, quick break. I want to tell you about Built Go by the same people who brought you Built Bar. This is the best workout gel on the market. It's a five-hour energy without that crash feeling afterwards. Plus, it's natural, so it's just better for your body. It's kind of like drinking a monster drink with a third of the caffeine and better results. Built Go comes in three delicious flavors. You've got peanut butter, honey, chocolate coconut, and chocolate mint. Chocolate mint is my personal favorite. And these are just great for getting through that wall in your day. I know we all can relate to that four or five o'clock feeling or Maybe even if it's earlier than that, if you've got a big presentation at work or a big workout coming up, just something that you're kind of dreading and you got to get through that mental and physical wall. For me, maybe that's on the golf course. You keep it in your golf bag and you can power through the back nine a little bit better if you have the Built Go. Built Go's have been tremendous for me getting through those walls in my day. They're good for you and it's just no crash feeling later. So visit BuiltGo.com. Use our promo code LOCKED. Just locked, not locked on. It's just locked. L-O-C-K-E-D. You'll get 20% off your next order if you use our promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. You know, something interesting when I was looking back at, at your career is I want to rewind to the, I guess, the summer before that season. Because when I look at your three-point numbers, 
you shot a handful those first two years. I think you shot like three in your first two years combined. Then you shoot a little bit more as a junior, but then as a senior, you're shooting 40% from three. When did it kind of click in your brain that you wanted to, or maybe it was a coach that told you or pushed you a certain way, but when did that transformation, not necessarily into like a stretch four, but as a guy who could hit threes, when did that sort of settle into your mind? Well, I can always shoot, right? I mean, I was always a good shooter because that's like one thing I've always worked on, you know, incessantly is, is my shooting. So shooting, shooting wasn't a thing. Is my freshman, sophomore year, junior years, my my team didn't need my shooting. We had, you know, Lawrence Moten, Adrian Arch. So I kind of filled the more of an inside role. That's what was needed for us to win and help us to win. My senior year, I needed to do a lot more. Everything was on my shoulders. So that meant shooting more threes. That meant scoring more. That meant being more, you know, taking more of a, a scoring load. And at the time, like you said, I was one of the first guys to be a true, like, stretch, stretch four, shooting the three, handling the ball, bring it up, all that stuff. And th that – Coach Beheim was able to help me nurture that part of my game. And like you said, by the time I was a senior, like you said, I shot 40-some percent from three, and it wasn't like I shot, like, 10 of them. You know, I, right. I shot, like, 90 yeah. of them that year. You know what I mean? So uh, – you know, coach, coach really helped me, you know, get to the point where I, where I had the confidence to, to, to shoot that three and shoot it at, at any given moment. All right. I got to ask you one more Georgia question. I know you talk about this all the time, probably, but the, the final shot, we need a breakdown of that. And was there ever a moment in your mind that you thought coach might call a timeout there? Or you just so walked in, just going to the basket? No coach always, stress to us in those moments that if we can get the ball in our best player's hand before the defense could have a chance to set up and all that, then we're at, we have the advantage. And that's what happened. You know, that's, that's in a nutshell, that's exactly what happened. I got the ball and um, he trusted me to, to, to go down and take the shot. And I pulled up for, for the three, which my foot was on the line, but I pulled up for the three because just in case I did miss it, we had a chance to grab the rebound and possibly put it back in. So that's why I shot the three instead of trying to get all the way to the basket. Um, when you and your teammates get back together and you, and you reminisce on that game, what's the one little story that people don't know a lot about from that game that always gets brought up with you guys? That... For for a second there, it seemed like Ty Bergen was in a funk and didn't didn't realize he had to take the ball out because he was just like standing around. I'm yelling to him, man, get the ball, hurry up, get it to me. He was like, like I don't know, it was just like this matrix moment. He's just like, I don't know what's going on. And then, but then he finally came to, he got me the ball. But uh, that's that's we talk about that all the time. That's funny, man. He he was like sort of walking around the back of the basket. Yeah, it's like, what are you doing? Grab the ball, let's go. <laughs> yeah, and maybe then you'd think coach might, his whole philosophy of we got to get it to you before the defense can get set up, like you're kind of wasting time at that point. But all right, so you, you guys make it to the final four. Um, we we got to ask about the, the Cuses and DeHouse celebration afterwards. Uh, what – what was like the origin of that? And when was the first time that you guys as a team started singing that? 
Well, I, I started it in Arizona when we beat Arizona um, at their place and snapped their 55-game non-conference home game winning streak. Because everyone, you know, they were like top five or something like that. No one gave us a chance to win that game. And right after the game, I was uh, my my guy Brubaker was interviewing me, and uh, I had been, you know, kind of singing that song and and putting the Cuse part in it for a while already. So when he interviewed me, I just said, "Cause when the Cuse is in the house, oh my God!" And it just kind of took off from there, man. For real, it just literally started from that video I did after the Arizona game. So when you're walking around campus, are you seeing some people wearing shirts that say like the Cuse is in the house and stuff like that? Oh man, it was, yeah, it was, the, the final four was one of the most surreal uh, fan experience type moments in my life. You know, the whole getting back to campus, how many people were, you know, you know, being welcomed at the airport by 10,000 people, another 5,000 people along the highway as you're driving back another 5,000 people waiting for you to get off the bus at Manly Field House and another 10,000 people down at Marshall Street ready to party. And I made sure everyone that night went out to party. Even Lazara Sims, who never went out. Uh, I, I, I drug everyone down to March because you, you had to embrace and enjoy this. This is a once in a lifetime experience. And I made sure everyone went down there and we all had a great time. We, we kept the spot open till five in the morning, shout out to my boy, John Sheehan at Harry's. We were at Harry's until about five, something in the morning, pouring shots and everything else, man. Just an incredible, incredible time. What was I was going to ask, what's the route? What's the yeah. route of stops along the, the party route? Well, the, the party route, literally like, you, it was like a, it was like a rock and roll concert. You had to get like, get passed through the crowd. Like, like it was, I'm telling you, it was crazy, man. It was pure pandemonium. It was, it was, it was, it was crazy. I've never seen anything like that um, since. You know, it was, it was just. And all my friends who were at school basically said after we won that game, thousands of people just ran to Marshall Street and just started. You know, and then a thousand ran from the city. So you had the you had the whole city and the campus combining. So it was it was it was it was insane. Yeah, that's awesome. So you get to the, the national title game and you, you joked earlier, if you could change one thing, it'd be that game. Do you ever go back and, and watch that game against Kentucky? And no, like it's the only that? game I, I've never watched that game. Okay. I've, I've never watched. I have no desire to ever watch that game. Yeah. You, does it ever, you think back like, oh, I wish I did something different there. Or you guys just. No, the only thing, the only thing different that could have happened. And I told the refs, the refs, the refs jerked me. There were three questionable calls that game. And but but on my fifth foul, if Lazarus sends, that's probably the only time we weren't on the same page. Because I was asking for him to throw the lob. If he throws a lob right there, I dunk the ball. We're down one, and we're 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 we got the momentum. Yeah, you know I I can see it in their eyes. But instead of throwing the the, the lob, he threw a chest pass that got deflected and trying to retrieve the loose balls when they called the 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 questionable fifth foul. So. Yeah, that hurt, man. I was only getting my fouled out, too. When you look back at – and you kind of brought it up when you're coming back from the airport and stuff like that, and all, all the, the love the Syracuse fans showed you, 
uh, it's different being in Syracuse versus, okay, maybe you're at a Miami or a Boston college where it's a big city. You're just a small part of the pie there, but in Syracuse, Syracuse basketball, you know, is everything there. Just the, the love that this fans showed you, how can you kind of summarize that when you're getting off the plane or when you're warming up in the final four and stuff like that? Well, Syracuse fans know how I feel about Syracuse fans and how much I love them. And I've always tried to reciprocate the love that they've given me for the last 30 years or so. I've, I've, I've always tried to reciprocate that. I mean, the most loyal fan base in existence They've never booed a play a Syracuse player. They they they're always super supportive. They Co- Coach Beheim is able to raise more charitable funds than most big all those blue blood universities. Coach Beheim out out earns them in terms of charitable contributions and donations almost every year. What he's built up there is is is, is second to none in in the country in terms of uh, what he's given back and the philanthropic ways of, of himself and, and his wife, Julie, they've, they've been a tremendous, tremendous asset to the Syracuse community as a whole and, and the Syracuse basketball family. And we're, and we're all grateful and thankful for um, him being up there for was 45th season coming up, man. And that's a, that's, a, that's insane. 45 years, you know, and, uh, and we love him for that. Fun stuff with John Wallace there. We're going to do it again tomorrow on the show. We're going to get into more of the transition from Syracuse to the Big East and ACC. What do these alums and these guys who played in the old Big East, what do they think about this whole transition that Syracuse has undergone over the past five or so years in the new conference and how they feel about that switch off? And also, he is the only man we've had on this show to have an IMDB page. We're going to talk to him about his appearance in He Got Game, how he got that role, and all that fun stuff, some good stories from on the sets and all that. And we'll also get into some stuff about the state of Syracuse basketball in the present day and what the Orange has to do to get among the tops of the top in the ACC as well in the country. So we're going to talk to John Wallace about all of that on tomorrow's show. Thanks so much for listening. Check back in tomorrow for the rest of this conversation. And we're looking forward to part two with John Wallace on tomorrow's show.